The title of this message today is Here is Your Sign. Here is your sign. You know, some people just need a, like it written out right in front of their face. And I'm one of those people, right? <laughs> Here is your sign. I'm going to start today in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, 38 through 40, it says, But then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said unto him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Father, I want to thank you for your great word. I want to thank you that you've given us the honor today to share this word. I pray first of all, Lord, for me that you would help me, God, to speak from the power of the Holy Spirit, not from my own self or my own mind. I pray, God, that the anointing would flow to the people, and I pray for them that their ears would receive, to see, to hear, to perceive, to understand your word, God. Father, that it may change all of us, Lord, for your glory. We thank you and we praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Some of the scribes and the Pharisees, these were religious Leaders, religious reader, leaders, can, can I just give you a quick piece of information that will serve you well? Not all religious leaders uh, have your best interest at heart. Now, I'm not here to beat up on pastors or preachers or anything like that. But just know religious leaders are people and they make mistakes just like everyone else. Amen. They said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. Now, what do they mean they wanted to see a sign from him? They didn't really mean, you know, write it out on a sign and put it in front of our face. They were saying, show us proof that you are who you say you are, Jesus. Prove you're from God. Prove that uh, you are who you say you are by doing some sort of thing, like a miracle. Like if you would just do a miracle, that would prove that you are who you say you are. Your teachings are true. The problem is Jesus had been doing miracles for a long time. In fact, his reputation was known for miracles, and people came from miles around because he did miracles. And it didn't convince these religious leaders that he was who he said he was. Or maybe they wanted a prophecy. Tell us the future, Jesus. You know, uh, I'm, how many fingers am I holding up, Jesus? Show me some proof that you know the future. You've got some secret power that we don't have and can prove it. The problem is Jesus not only gave prophecies while he was here, he fulfilled prophecies from hundreds of years before, right in front of their face, but they still didn't believe, and yet they wanted a sign. Give us some secret knowledge, Jesus. Tell us some great new doctrine that the Lord has told you. Show us some new thing, and maybe that will prove to us that you are who you say you are. And yet Jesus had continually been teaching new things. He had been continually straightening out people who had the wrong idea about God's word, but they refused to believe. You see, the signs that they wanted had been there all along, but they didn't believe the signs. That's why Jesus said, I'm only going to give you one sign, one sign only. It is the sign of Jonah. Can I tell you something today? The world is still asking for a sign to prove that your Jesus is who he says he is. They're saying things like, where's the scientific evidence that Jesus is who he says he is? 
Where is the archaeological proof? Where is all of it? And you know what? There is the Shroud of Turin. There are uh, eyewitness accounts. There are historical documents. Even, even you know, if you want to get, get right down to it, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are actually historical documents. Now, you can say you don't believe them, but they're there. There are eyewitness accounts. There's some archaeological evidence. But I want to tell you today, earthly proof is not how you know that Jesus is who he says he is. You can give some people all the evidence in the world. In fact, Jesus himself could come down and knock on their door and say, I'm the son of the living God. I will save you. You need a savior. Just believe in me. And they would close the door and say, no, thank you. We gave at the office. In my line, I'm telling the truth, ain't I? Some people don't want to believe, even if you showed them. That's why Jesus said, listen, I'm not messing with you. I'm not going to jump through hoops or be your dancing chicken to prove to you I am who I say I am. I'm going to give you one sign. Go back and read the book of Jonah, and what you will see in there is the Son of Man's story coming true right before your eyes. In the same way that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish and he spent three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, so the Son of Man is going into the earth. He's going to spend three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Are you hearing me today? This is your sign, world. You want proof? You need proof? That's your sign. But people want some sort of earthly proof. But you know what? I hope this helps you today in dealing with your, your own self and other people People don't come to belief and faith in Christ through earthly means. Conversations are great. Apologetics are great. Sermons are important. Sharing your testimony is important. All those things serve to do one thing, and that is spark the Holy Spirit who reveals to other people that he is real. Without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, no one would ever believe in God. When you're sitting in church and the preacher is preaching the word of God and, and you don't have any evidence, and yet somehow in the depths of who you are, you just know that what he's saying is true. Can I tell you what's happening? It's called conviction or revelation. God is turning the light on in your soul. It's as if you were in a dark room that you'd never been in before, and you can't see your hand in front of your face, and you have no idea what's going on or where you are. Then somebody suddenly hits the light switch, and in an instant, you can see everything around you, and you know the truth about your situation and condition just like that when the Holy Spirit turns the light on come on somebody we know that we know that we know that Jesus is who he says he is amen they're gonna ask you give me a sign can you prove to me why you believe in Jesus what's your evidence and and you're gonna say because he showed me in the depths of my spirit he woke me up he turned the light on and they're gonna go Psh, I don't believe any of that garbage until the Holy Spirit turns the light on in them come on somebody are you with me today? Show me a sign. You need revelation. Some of you today, you're going to get revelation right now during this service. You may be here in this building or even watching online at home, but the Holy Spirit is going to use this moment, this word, this Easter Sunday to turn the light on in your spirit. And when he does, you're going to know that Jesus is who he says he is. I want you to look at it this way. Miracles won't prove something. They won't prove that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. You know why? Because miracles had been done before. Moses did miracles. Huh? Elijah raised the dead. Knowledge and wisdom won't convince people because other people had words from the Lord. Prophecy won't convince people because prophecy had been done for hundreds of years before. Listen to this. Even dying or giving your life for the cause will not convince people that you're the Son of God because 
Every day, people give their life for a cause that they believe in. Mm -hmm. But there is one thing that no one has ever done. Jesus said, I will give you one sign. It is Jonah. What happened to Jonah? Jonah was a prophet, a, a messenger of God. And God told him, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to preach the gospel there. And Jonah said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to go the other way. And I'm going to go to Tarshish. Now, don't get mad at Jonah because some of y'all, come on now, some of me, <laughs> we do our own little thing, don't we? And he decided, I'm not going to listen to you, Lord. I'm going to do my own thing. He ended up on a ship. And because he was there, the storms came. They figured out that the storms were raging because Jonah was there and he disobeyed God. So what did they do? They did what any normal people would do. And they threw him into the sea. <laughs> and then the Bible says God prepared a fish and the fish came and swallowed him. And he was in the belly of this great fish for three days and three nights. And you know what he did while he was in there? He repented. He said, God, I'm sorry I did things my way. I'm sorry that I was living for myself. I'm sorry that I exalted my opinion of things higher than yours. And after he repented, the Bible says that the, the whale or the great fish spit him up onto the land and he came out alive. And you know what he did after that? He went to Nineveh and he preached the gospel just like he was supposed to. Come on. Can I get a witness, somebody? That is your sign. Three days in the belly of the whale, and then he comes back. Jesus spent three days in the bowels of the earth, and then he came back. You know why this is the one sign that Jesus is who he says he is? Because although people had performed miracles before, they'd prophesied before, they had words of knowledge and wisdom, they've gathered great armies, they've held political position, although all of those other things had been done before, no one had defeated death. Death was undefeated until Jesus came along. In other words, once death had you in its grasp, you could not get free. You were there. It held you. Death was undefeated until it ran into Jesus. And the Bible says early on the third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus came out of the grave. He was victorious over sin, victorious over hell, victorious over death. Glory to his name. Jesus was saying, you want a sign? Here's your sign. It is my resurrection. I'm going to lay my life down, go into the ground for three days, three nights, and then I'm coming back out, and I'm going to do it of my own power. No one has ever done that before. No one has ever defeated death until Jesus came along. Can somebody say praise God? Oh, so maybe you're wondering today, even if that's real, Pastor, what does that mean to me? Jesus rose from the dead. It means everything to you. It's your hope. The entire foundation of the Christian faith hinges upon the fact that Jesus didn't just die, but by his own power, he raised himself from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 20 through 22 says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ, all will be made alive. What does it mean, Jesus, is the first fruits of our resurrection? Well, the first fruits was a principle that God taught to his people in the Old Testament and told them to practice. And it meant this. When you are ready for harvest time, the first or earliest fruits that come out, you take those and you give those to God. And it symbolized two things I want you to get today. It symbolized, number one, that we recognize that all of the harvest comes from God. 
You know what? I may have planted. I may have bought the tractor. I may have watered. I may have weeded. I may have done a lot of stuff. But unless God gave the increase, come on, unless God did his work, nothing comes up out of the ground. Everything I receive, I receive from the Lord. You know what attitude you ought to have? You go to work, you work hard, you get your paycheck. You know who gave you your paycheck? It wasn't your boss. It was your God Almighty who provided you with your paycheck. Amen? When you get up in the morning, you take a deep breath. Oh, it is God that gave you your breath. Praise his name. It symbolized that God is the one doing it. Now, why does that matter? Let me just help you with what Christianity really means today because a lot of people think Christianity is about turning bad people into good people it's really not now I hope that when you become a Christian you become a better person because Christ lives in you and Christ is wonderful and good and better right but that's not really what becoming a Christian is about it's not about bad people becoming good it's about dead people coming to life are you hearing me today Salvation is of the Lord, Psalms chapter 3. While many people think Christianity is about you uh, doing this, like, you know what, I'm going to start coming to church, and I'm going to behave myself, and I'm going to quit drinking so much, and I'm going to stop smoking, and I'm going to quit saying those F words so much, those four-letter words, and I'm just going to be a good person. Can I tell you something? That does not save you one bit. That does not get you closer to God one bit. That is you trying to work your way into a position of heaven. That's not what Christianity is about. That in fact becomes dangerous when we start feeling like that because we don't use four letter words and we don't drink. Somehow we're righteous and better than other people. Well, I'm in your business now, ain't I? Well, while the world thinks Christianity is you making yourself better, Christianity is really this. It's people admitting that I can't fix myself. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I've got sin in my life. And so I fall down before a great and mighty God and I plead to him, God, please save me. And Jesus comes down and he saves my soul. And now I'm saved. I'm a child of God and I'm still not better than anybody else. I'm still a mess. I still have sin. I still make mistakes. And God keeps me by his grace and by his power. Salvation is of the Lord. The harvest comes from the Lord. The blessing comes from the Lord. Your salvation comes from the Lord today. Christianity is about turning from saving yourself to trusting God to save you. When I think of the empty tomb, I don't think to myself, you know what, I need to work harder. When I think of the empty tomb, I don't think I need to do more good things. What I think when I hear, think about the empty tomb is, oh, praise God. I didn't deserve it, but he saved me. I cried out to God, and he heard my cry, and he saved my soul, and he delivered me. Christianity means this. He did the work that I couldn't do. He lived a perfect life on my behalf. Christianity means this. He paid the price I couldn't pay. I should have died for my sins. He did that for me. And Christianity means this. He won the victory over death that I could never win. Hallelujah. If it had been me in that tomb, I'd have stayed in that tomb. But Jesus defeated death. The resurrection is a sign to you that you cannot save yourself, that God came to save you, that salvation is from the Lord. You might need to remind somebody in your life what Christianity is all about, that the empty tomb means God came to save you, not that you can save yourself. The first fruits also means it's a sign that there is more harvest to come. When you give the first or the earliest, you're giving it to God, knowing and declaring that this is not all of it. Come on. That there is more to come. I've got greater harvest coming my way. Jesus didn't live for himself. 
Why does the resurrection matter? Because Jesus didn't live for himself. He came here and lived a perfect life. You know why he did that? Because in order for you to get to heaven, you need to live a perfect life. You know what? Jesus did that for you. So every time the devil tells you that you're screwing up and making a mistake and God's mad at you and you might not make it to heaven, the devil is a liar. Because Jesus already lived for you. He already did the perfectness for you. What does Christianity mean to you? It means not only did he live for me, he died for me. Somebody had to pay the price for my sin, and Jesus died for my sin. Not only did he die for my sin, but somebody had to conquer death for me, and Jesus conquered death for me. Oh, bless his wonderful name. Romans 8, 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. John 12, 24, for truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What are these scriptures telling us? When it says he's the firstborn among many brethren, what does that first mean to you? That word first, it means there's more to come, right? He didn't just rise from the dead for himself. He rose from the dead to bring some other folks with him. Come on, are you one of those? Hallelujah. And he said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He was talking about himself. He is the grain of wheat. He's saying, look, unless I die and go into the ground, then I'm just going to be uh, me in heaven just by myself because you can't be saved if I don't die for you. I got to go in the ground. So unless I go in the ground, I'm just a seed that never got planted. But if I go in the ground and I give my life and I rise from the dead, I'm going to produce a harvest. You know what you get when you plant one apple seed? You get an apple tree that produces apples year after year after year after year. You know what? When Jesus came up out of the ground first, he paved the way for you and I that we could be resurrected, that we could have eternal life, that we could be with him. That's why the resurrection matters to you. That's why the resurrection is your sign that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of the living God. He is the beautiful rose of Sharon, the bride and morning star. He is the only way for you to be saved no one else could do it no one else rose from the dead no one else had the stone rolled away no one else came back to life until jesus did it are you hearing me today there were people in the old testament who died and were raised to life but you know what happened to them eventually they died but Jesus rose from the dead alive forevermore. And I don't know about you, but I'm in Christ. I'm with him. Hallelujah. By faith, I am with him. And if he's alive, then I'm alive. And if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, glory to God, then someday if my body is in the ground, the trumpet's going to sound. And the dead are going to be raised. And you and I are going to be with Jesus forever. Hallelujah. But you don't have to wait for that day for eternal life. Eternal life begins now when you place your faith in Christ. When you begin to believe in Jesus. The resurrection matters. It's your sign. It's your proof. And, and how do you know that Jesus really did rise from the dead? Because it's being revealed to you right now. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Something's being lit up inside of you. And you're seeing the truth inside of you. That the Bible is true, that Jesus' words were true, that he promised, I'm going to lay my life down, and then I'm going to raise myself from the dead. And when I do, it will prove that I am 
who I say I am. I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you'd bow your heads with me this afternoon, Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that are here. I thank you, Lord, for the sign of the resurrection, the ultimate proof of the true divine nature of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that flesh and blood has not revealed this to us. We don't believe today because of some archaeological find, some scientific evidence. We believe today because the Holy Spirit has revealed this to us. We believe it today because the Holy Spirit has shown us the truth. And we place our faith in that today. So what must you and I do to be saved in light of the resurrection of Jesus? We must do like Jonah and turn from going our own way. Sin has lots of ripples. Effects that we see and notice could be anger, or bitterness, or theft, or jealousy, all kinds of results, the produce of sin. But at the root of sin is one simple thing. At the center of those ripples in the pond is one stone that's been thrown. And it is this. I'm going to be God of my life. I'm going to do things my way. And repentance always gets down to that. It always gets down to us acknowledging that I'm not God. And that I've missed the mark and I've messed things up. And I'm going to stop being the God of my life. And I'm going to cry out to the one, the only, the true, the real God who's revealing himself to me right now. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Wherever you are right now, let your heart cry out. Jesus, save me. I can't save myself, Lord. Save me. I turn from serving me to serving you. I turn from me being the God of my life to you being the God of my life. And I give to you all my heart. I give to you my life. I give to you my future. I give to you my all. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. And I believe, like no one else, you rose from the dead of your own power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory be to your name. The Bible says that if you have that turn in your heart, if that's the cry within you, that you're saved, that you're born again, that God has come into your life, the Holy Spirit is indwelling inside of you today. I know you're not perfect. I know you've made mistakes. And I, can I promise you something? You will continue to make mistakes. But God's grace isn't just for this moment. It's for tomorrow. It is for tonight. It's for later on. When Jesus defeated sin and death, I'm going to close with this thought. When Jesus defeated sin and death, we often think that means that no one will die and no one will sin again. But it doesn't. It means that sin has no power over you. It means that death has no power over you. It means that if you sin, you're still his child. You might need to repent and turn from that, but you're still his child. It means that if you were to die today, that you would step out of this life into a better one. 
Death has no power over you anymore. You hearing me? That? You getting that, Christian? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for those who have turned their heart to you, God, who have turned themselves away from me and to you. They've turned themselves away from serving their own lives, and they've turned to you today. I pray, God, that you would just grab them, Holy Spirit, and that you would draw them to yourself, that you would help them, Lord Jesus, strengthen them, encourage them by the power of the living God. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just help them, Lord, to be encouraged and realize that they are your child now, not because of the works they do, not because of the life they live, but because of what you've done and because they place their faith in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Are you glad Jesus is your Savior? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I think of that empty tomb, I think, oh, my Savior. My Savior. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we're so glad that you guys came out with us today. It was a long Easter day. Those of you who've been here uh, early and we did the crosswalk, that was so awesome. God bless all of you who walked on the cross uh, crosswalk. Talk to some of them. Let them tell you how it felt going on crosswalk because we've done this for years and it is truly impactful to the people who carry that cross down the road and uh, it means something. It's significant. Let them kind of give you a, a glimpse of what that's like. Uh, those of you who helped with eggs and the egg hunt and the fun that we had with the kids, that was just so wonderful. I was, I was tickled. Some of the people from the other church thought that there were too many eggs and I told him, look, in about five minutes, all these eggs will be gone. And he came up to me afterwards and said, you know what? You're right. Because <laughs> uh, kids know how to get eggs, don't they? And they had a lot of fun, a wonderful time. And it was just awesome. Praise God. And those of you who came and worshiped with us today on this fine Easter Sunday, praise God. He's alive. He's alive in you today. Bless his wonderful name. Live in the victory that Christ paid for you this week. God bless you. Father, I just pray your blessings over your people today. I pray that you would touch them, minister to them, take them through this week, living victoriously in the power of the resurrection, Lord God. Walking in that same power, Lord Jesus. We are victorious over everything, God. Thank you for it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. God loves you. You're dismissed.